Are you following a plant-based diet? Would you say you're pretty health literate? This episode was brought to you in partnership with Health IQ, an insurance agency dedicated to rewarding the investments you make in your healthy lifestyle. Support the show and see how much your high health literacy can save you by getting a quote at healthiq.com slash no meat. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, you're you're a romantic guy, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, I think I have romantic thoughts. I don't. I'm not so good at expressing it. I don't think. No, yeah, not no no no, paper no grand me. gestures to uh, to Aaron. No, I don't. I don't do like the throw pebbles at the window bit and play far <laughs> outside or anything like that. Uh, no, not we, we keep it pretty straightforward. I try to. I, I don't want to think of myself as someone who doesn't because I I I would like to. Uh, to do a little more of that, but anyway, no, you, not too much. Not a romantic guy. To answer your question. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'd say I'm probably the same way. I've no, no no huge grand gestures, but but I like to be thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. Especially around things like Valentine's Day, which uh, which this year, which was last week, I guess. But this year, Katie and I decided we weren't uh, gonna do anything for it because we couldn't find a babysitter and yada yada um it's a bad and, road to go down I know, I know. don't do it we, I know. <laughs> but wednesday eliza and i went out i was like i'm gonna at least go we're gonna go to whole foods we're gonna get some of our favorite like miyoko's mm-hmm. kitchen cheeses and do some things that are like you know just kind of nice to have a nice meal at home i actually think doug that like an increasing amount of holiday shopping is done at whole foods because that's kind of my like <laughs> if, and i think it's aaron's too like if we didn't do anything or if it's kind of we're gonna do a small thing that's what you do. You go to Whole Foods and get like a maybe a maybe one of those, whatever they are, big big beers with the cork in them, yeah, and, yeah. and some chocolates and flowers and cards. There, you get a, your holiday needs are all uh-huh. met by Whole Foods. Totally, so. totally. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> continue. Anyway, uh, but Katie's favorite favorite store, which is like a clothing and jewelry store, Elementality, is right next to Whole Foods. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were walking by on our way to Whole Foods. I, I have to admit, and if she's listening to this, then she might be disappointed to hear this. But um, <laughs> the, my intention was not to go to Elementalis to go to Whole Foods. <laughs> but we were walking by. I was like, oh, it'd be perfect. To, you know, Katie's had some big, big, exciting things happen at work recently. And, you know, it's a, I should treat her to something nice. And so uh, we went and we picked out some jewelry. Eliza was wow. all excited about it. She was just like really into picking it out for, for Mama. And we get home and we wrap it and hand make a little card and put it in a special hiding spot. And we go through, we practice, um, we practice the next morning of like her going and getting it and delivering it to, to Katie, like run through it several times. It's like, great. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be such a good Valentine's. This is a, you know, grand gesture in some, to some degree. I was really stoked on it. And then we go pick Katie up uh, from work about, I don't know, half an hour later um and katie gets in the car and she goes hi how was your day eliza and she goes daddy buy mommy earrings <laughs> i was like no <laughs> you ruined it i was so disappointed <laughs> katie just like looks no, at me and we just start laughing did you think anything else would happen besides well that? I, we had like practiced it we had like gone through this whole thing it it's a secret <laughs> It doesn't matter at all. She, I mean, it was well, like, now you've learned. I know. I guess not because now you have a kid who can talk. And yeah. Who, dude, I mean, you don't do that. You, they can't even know. Even if they're not involved, they cannot know anything that is a secret. 
<laughs> because even if they even if they get in their head and understand that they are not going to tell, they still reveal it. <laughs> they, st- they still say something idiotic uh-huh. that uh-huh. tells completely what it was. Oh man, I, uh, <laughs> I was so disappointed, but Eliza was just so excited to share <laughs> what Aww. we had been spending all afternoon doing. <laughs> That is funny. I like how she didn't even try to conceal it. No, it was like it was like the, <laughs> like she just blurt like the door had hardly even closed and she really just blurted it out. <laughs> Katie looks at me and she's like, "Oh, that's nice." It's like, "Oh man!" So we went through and did the whole like reveal that night, Wednesday night. There you go. Ah, oh, good. Yeah. Well, lesson learned. Lesson, lesson learned. Never trust your kid with a secret. Oh, no, man, it was funny. Don't. So how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I uh, actually my Valentine's Day. So I was going to make all these Spanish tapas for Valentine's Day. That was my, not, not my gift, because we, we just, I don't, we're not, Valentine's Day is not our thing. Anniversary we'll do, but like Valentine's, I don't know, neither of us is that into it. Um, we're not against it, but we'll do little gestures. So I said, I, you know, got the flowers, got uh, a book for her, and then said I was going to make the, all these tapas. So I did that, but it had to be all delayed because on Valentine's, I think it was Valentine's Day, actually. It was Valentine's Day on Thursday, right? Yep. Yeah, so I was going to do it that day. Um, I'm really confused all of a sudden. <laughs> About the timeline? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I was going to say that my son had a concussion on Valentine's Day, but that's not true. It is a week later after Valentine's Day. Or sorry, the Valentine's Day happened a week after his concussion, and something else happened on that day that prevented me from doing it. It was some some new drama with the concussion came up or something. One of the people we saw about it mm. said, "Oh yeah, he actually did." I have something. Anyway, I haven't I haven't yet told that story, but I I was going to reveal that now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not there's no there's no drama. Uh, I had a concussion. No. Um <laughs> it sounds kind of like you had a concussion to be honest. <laughs> You're so confused. No, Holden, Holden had a concussion. It's been uh, it's been a big thing for the past. Uh... Yes. So anyway, my Valentine's Day was nothing except for very small exchange of gifts. But uh, then I made Spanish tapas three days in a row. I made Spanish food, and because I was going to do it as one big thing, and then once all this new drama with the concussion happened, I said I'm not doing that. So I'll make half of the tapas that I bought, and then the next day I bought made the other ones, and then the last day I made paella to top it all off. So it was a nice Spanish food weekend. That is. That sounds great. Yes, it was fine. Um, anyway, the concussion is this crazy thing that... Whole, I, I've talked many times about his soccer. He didn't have a concussion doing any sort of actual soccer. It was he and I were juggling the ball in that soccer room that we've mentioned before that I made and padded the floor with like... I forget if it's three quarters or inch and a half of foam padding under the under the surface. Um but not a hard floor. It's nice, soft, easy. And he was doing some kind of kick. I don't know what it was. He like tried to kick it over his shoulder. Not one of those bicycles where you land on your back, but just like a sideways kind of flying kick. And he landed on his hip and immediately said his head hurt. And then he was nauseous. And then he had all these light sensitivity and sound sensitivity. So we were like, well, it couldn't have been a concussion because he didn't hit his head. And it was an easy fall. And then Two days later, he, he was having trouble with school that week and, like, the stimulation and all. So, so eventually we took him into the doctor. They said concussion. Took him to different people, and uh, it turned out he had a concussion. So that's what I've been dealing with now for just about two weeks, and uh, it's been it's been quite a little bit of a roller coaster. But it's all good now. He's better. He's showing all the signs of improvement. 
uh, negative to this brain training guy who does things like for athletic performance, actually, like all these different metronome things and balance things and vibration and laser and all these different treatment things that apparently they do for athletes now who want to perform at their best because he says like Tom Brady, Stephen Curry, the reason they are so good is largely because their reaction time is so much faster than other people's uh, and how quickly they can process, you know, the the layout of the players on the field and make decisions. And apparently you can kind of train this stuff. Like it's, it's kind of just a biohacking thing that you can, rather than go train that situational, whatever, intelligence, uh, you actually can just train your brain to be better at quickly processing things by doing these little tools and exercises and things. So he's been going to that guy, not for the purposes of getting better, but just for the purposes of regaining normal brain function, uh, which thankfully he is because the first day he went, he he did really bad on a lot of the tests. And I was like, oh my God, what hmm. happened to my kid? So that was a bad day. That may have been actually, that was Valentine's Day. That's what it was. Um, so anyway, that was not a good day. But anyway, but he, he's, uh, he is things are good now. Improving? <laughs> yes, he's improving. Uh, he's actually back at school today for half of oh, the wow. day That's only. Good. But uh, yeah, it's his first day back. So We'll see. Along with a bunch of notes that says he doesn't have to do any work or anything. So, <laughs> well, maybe. I know. Which, like, it seems like this could go out of control and be life impacting. I think it it actually is. It does happen that this happens to someone, and then suddenly now they have notes and reasons why they can't test properly or take tests in school and get special treatment. And then some of these concussions, if you don't, if you don't, and even some, even if you do work to repair the damage, um, they just don't go away. Things just last for six months or a year or more, mm-hmm. especially as you start to have multiple concussions, as everybody knows. Um, but like, you know, it can be the beginning of you going down that path where you get special treatment and then that just becomes sort of a, a self-perpetuating issue. So anyway, we tried very hard to to stem that tide and hopefully we have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's scary stuff. Concussions are can can be life-changing in a lot of ways. Uh, even even just yeah. one and like everyone there's a we have a really good soccer community here in Asheville with with people his age and people my age and we just know a bunch of soccer people and everyone i talk to now who played college or played soccer like throughout college or throughout you know early adulthood has had like eight or ten mm-hmm. concussions not i'm not everybody to be fair not everybody but a whole lot of people suddenly i've realized who i'm talking to like say oh yeah i had 11 concussions when i was in soccer and then i couldn't go professional because i had that happen and i had post-concussion syndrome and mm. like it just happens a lot I, I didn't realize it was such a big thing in soccer but it totally is and it's not just from heading the ball it's partly from that but all kinds of things but it's i don't know it's an issue i guess we're lucky that it's now and not 20 years ago because i think you know my peers in, in sports probably had plenty of concussions and we just nobody nobody right. did anything right. you just ignore it and get mm-hmm. back in the game so that's that's what has been addressed now by NFL, and I think that's sort of trickling down to everybody mm-hmm. else. So that's a good thing. That's a good sure. thing. And who knows? Maybe this uh, treatment that he's going through is going to be the next Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, the guy we went to, he said like, so there's this metronome device where he has to time his clapping and pressing of, of a button that he's holding in his hands with a, a little metronome that's beating. And then the guy was like, well, you can, you know, now if you want it, now that he's better, pretty much. Uh, if you want to keep improving his sports performance, you can buy one of these units for $600 and have it at your house and just have him do this metronome clapping thing all the time. Uh, but actually, I mean, apparently his his coach is really into that as a training uh, tool. So now we're, I mean, we're not really considering that yet, but... Uh, I mean, can you just buy a metronome and clap? That's, 
That's what <laughs> yeah. I was wondering. I, I mean, th- if you do this, it like syncs up with the doctor's office and they actually see his data oh, and stuff. And this also comes with all like the feedback of knowing whether you're too early or too late or whatever. But I was going to say, like, just go play your drums yeah, downstairs. Yeah, really. I was going to say, say the exact same thing. <laughs> right. uh. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, I can't imagine. Uh, I don't know. We try really hard to practice soccer every day and do that. I can't imagine me saying, okay, hold on, like, take this 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes that we were going to do soccer and just clap uh-huh. with this metronome. I, I feel like, I'm sure it has its place as a training tool. I think it's also very easy to get lazy and start only biohacking and not actually doing the right. real work. Right. So I don't know. Maybe, and like, maybe it's, maybe it's both. At some point, it's going to, I mean, you know, playing soccer, I imagine, is still really fun for Holden. But, uh, you know, but <laughs> clapping along to a metronome for 20 minutes a day. But, this, but, Doug, the game has a soccer screen that you can put it on. And if you hit it exactly right, your ball goes in the, in the net. <laughs> and if, if you're a little off, it hits the corresponding post to whether you were early or oh. late. But you're right. It wouldn't be fun. You do like machines. I do, and I like college scholarships. <laughs> but you don't like concussions. I do know that's one thing I know about you for don't sure. Don't like concussions don't like at concussions. all. Yes, that is true. Do not like concussions. Anyway, Doug, any more uh, any more tidbits before we get to the actual content? I got my second race of the year coming up this weekend. Oh yeah, right, and that's the one that you. Recently ran a, what did you run a 50K? Is that right? Yeah, I ran a 50K, uh, what, three or four weeks ago? And, mm-hmm. and that was that in preparation for That this? was, well, it's all in preparation for helping her 100 again. Ah, right. Um, but right. that was, that was, so that was 50K. 50 this is a, this is the 40 mile Mount Mitchell challenge. Oh, yeah, oh, which, I've, okay. which I've run a right. number of times before. It starts about a mile away from the house and, uh, mm-hmm. runs from, in town up to the summit of Mount Mitchell and back. Uh, Did they give you a famous Black Mountain resident uh, exemption this year? <laughs> I don't know how I got in. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know one, one year you didn't, and we we, we Yeah, out, you know, right? maybe they changed their... Actually, it, it's kind of interesting, is that I have heard from multiple people since since I didn't get in, and and uh, I complained about it not not to anybody just you know to you basically and and on the podcast um i've heard several people say that um that they do favor uh people from out of town because that brings in more you know the whole the whole point was to the whole point of the race actually when it it all started as a way to bring life back into the town in february um and and so they they favor out-of-town people but now every person i know this year, every person I know who's local who got in, who asked or to who submitted into the lottery for the forty miler got in, including uh, a couple oh. of my good buddies that I train with every week. So, um, yeah, wow. so we'll all be out there, and that'll be fun. Maybe a tourism. <laughs> Maybe. Because I think uh, people are getting sick of the tourism. Yeah, natural, you know, so. I mean, getting a little much, even in uh-huh. February. <laughs> That's right. Those restaurants okay. are just doing well, a little bit too well, good, and those hotels are a little too full. Yeah, I know. Well, they create traffic and it's true. Problems. That is very true. No, but yeah. So I'm running running that this weekend. I'm excited for that, and it's um, okay. Good. It's one of my favorite. Forty, 40 miles, miles up and down. It's, it's up and down the tallest peak. That's right, of the and it's and it's essentially twenty miles up and twenty miles down. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no snow projected this weekend. Well, I don't, weekend I don't know. Last night they were supposed to get some, but I haven't gone out and looked at the mountains yet. 
but I don't know. It's supposed to rain for the next like two weeks or something. So I imagine it's going to be chilly and wet and kind of miserable, but I'm excited about that. It'll be good. And are you, uh, are you running it with any of your <clears throat> no clients, clients, no clients, Coaching just clients? friends. Oh, I thought that I, I, so I, I knew that Doug, I was trying to oh. set you up for a nice, a nice <laughs> promotion. But I didn't know they were. I thought you actually were. I thought Paul. Was oh well, I have. I've definitely. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I officially trained him through his first two fifty k's, but this time it's a little more, okay. a little more just uh, friendly. Gotcha. Yeah, Sweet. chummy. Nice. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I appreciate the. I yeah. appreciate the Good promotion. setup, and I'm sorry I whipped, <laughs> swung and struck out there. Oh man, that's right. Well, good. Good luck, Doug. That uh, should be fun. Let us know Thank how you. it goes. Of Thank course. Thank you. And uh, and now we today we got a pretty good interview here. We do, Marco Borges, who I think a lot of people know. Um, I mean, as we say in this interview, I think it's in many ways Rich Roll has has helped um, make his name known among the plant based community. I don't know if that's fair. He, I mean, he he before that was uh, Jay Z and Beyonce's trainer. I think that's where he, that's his. Real number one claim to fame, right? <laughs> yeah, and he's say? also worked with like Jennifer Lopez and Shakira and all kinds of people. But yeah, yeah, trainer, trainer to, to the, the stars. stars. That's right, and he's the author of a couple books. Yes, he's the author of the Twenty Two Day Revolution, not to be confused with Thirty One Day Food Revolution, which mm-hmm. was our last guest book. Uh, the Twenty Two Day Revolution Cookbook and Power and Moves. He just came out with a book called The Green Print, which is his Twenty Two Guidelines or Laws for for healthy eating, and then uh, a bunch of recipes and kind of a blueprint for for how to um, implement the laws and kind of go plant-based or mostly plant-based or however you want to approach it. And um, I don't know, this, this interview was, was, was really good. We, you know, we, of course we talk about his new book uh, and those, those 22 laws, but we also dive into his kind of philosophy on um, how people can go plant-based and what it, uh, you know, everything from intermittent fasting to, salt and oil i don't know it's just interesting to talk to him who comes from a very scientific background and also a fitness background um and and to ha- talk to him about the nutrition yeah he uh he like you said he comes from a science background he, i think he has a very healthy approach to this um i i mean i know it has its place the the all or nothing like you know complete not militant is that's not the right word but uh you know, just complete, you have to do every single thing right approach, um, which a lot of the plant-based doctors, for all the good information they give, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's, I can say it's a mistake that they are making, because it's probably not for the people they're speaking to, because uh, there are people who do need that, who do need the, you know, go for it and, and don't make any deviations from my plan. Um, but I don't know, I think for the vast majority of people, people who could really use the help, who could really... Um, stand to eat differently but don't have an urgent health crisis or at least not one they're aware of uh, i feel like that message misses the mark for those people and i think marco's way of presenting it uh very similar to ours honestly um in terms of like you know being kind of lax about it right even though we hold ourselves to this 100 percent plant-based vegan standard um that doesn't mean that necessarily that's the approach we have to say like you have to do mm-hmm. that or else you're doing it wrong um uh, so i don't know you know and there's all the ethical tie in and stuff and then that discussion is a big one but i just think i think the way he goes about this is really good i like his mindset stuff i like his habit change um philosophy and i just i just think it's a it's a diet not even a diet it's an approach that is um 
you know, one that's pretty easy to to adopt and follow, and I like it. And yeah, the food looks really it good. Look you really read through the book; yeah. it actually looks quite <laughs> snazzy and healthy. <laughs> Makes you want to eat it. Well, I think I think we should just uh, I think we should get to the interview. Um, it's it's about that time now, but uh, but very quickly, let's take a second to thank our sponsors. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio was brought to you by Health IQ, the life insurance agency that advocates for the vegan and health conscious lifestyles. Matt, you'd say you're a pretty healthy guy, right? These days, Doug, I would say I'm very healthy. Yes. That's, that's great to hear. What do you think the top three healthiest habits that you have are? Wow, Doug, putting me on the spot during an ad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, smoothie, definitely one of them. I don't care what you say about smoothies. For me, that is one of my healthiest habits for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put the my diet. Just plant-based diet in general is, is just this sort of... Uh, you know, trump card that I have in my pocket that I can just, that I just have at any time. Got mm-hmm. that? Uh, and then I, I, this was missing for a long time, but recently exercise has become a healthy habit and I, I get something done pretty much every single day, uh, whether it's running or Muay Thai or weightlifting. Yeah, I would, I would, if I was going to pick three for you, those would probably be one of the, t- at <laughs> least diet and smoothie. Health diet, <laughs> no, and smoothie, yeah. And, and it's probably the same or similar to me. And you know what? That is the exact type of thing that Health IQ is looking for. Health IQ is a life insurance agency who understands the benefits of a healthy lifestyle and rewards us for the lower risk of cancer, heart disease, and early death. And they unapologetically advocate directly for health-conscious people to receive financial rewards when it comes to life insurance. Head over to healthiq.com slash no meat, all one word, to learn more on all sorts of ways you can save money on life insurance. That's healthiq.com slash no meat. Hey everyone, Matt and Doug here. We are with Marco Borges. It's a pleasure to have him on. And Marco, uh, we just wanted to get started with a little bit of the background uh, on you. I mean, obviously you're the author of The Green Print, which is a new book out. You've been on the Rich Roll podcast several times, and I, I know we have a lot of overlap with his audience. Uh, or I should say his audience contains our audience, because uh, <laughs> that, to say we've overlapped sort of puts us on the same level. Um, but anyway, you've been on there many times, and I know you as as... I have this association between you and Jay-Z and Beyonce. That is, that is what I know you as. Uh, and I'm guessing that's what a lot of other people have too. So can you just kind of give us uh, a, a bit more robust of the story of your background and kind of what it is that you do um, and how, how you got to working with celebrities like them? Yeah, absolutely. My background is in uh, exercise physiology. So my, my formal training is in exercise physiology and biology. I uh, grew up wanting to be a doctor and the biology was my step towards uh, pre-med. And uh, I very quickly realized that medicine was uh, very reactive and not proactive in nature, meaning that we always are treating symptoms, but we never really treat the underlying causes. And I thought that it was pretty unfortunate, but yet I still thought that I could make a difference. Um, And it wasn't until my last semester in biology um, doing my pre-med work that I realized uh, I was sitting under a surgery at a hospital uh, observing, and um, I realized that our, our system is really in need of a major overhaul. And I thought that I could do much better from the outside than I could from the inside. So I decided to take my degree in exercise uh, in, in biology and couple it with a degree in exercise in uh, physiology, and um, started as a personal trainer. And very quickly realized that I had a lot more, I could create a lot more impact um, through helping people live a healthier lifestyle than you know, than from waiting for them to get sick and then trying to do something afterwards. So it, it, 
it worked out. Um, and then I uh, opened up my first gym at the age of 22 and then opened up a series of other gyms um, and, uh, and quickly found that people had really great habits around their um, exercise uh, pattern, if you will, but they weren't so... Um, they weren't wired as, as, as healthily um, on the nutrition side. So I dove into that as well and um, realized that I could be much more effective, not just helping people through exercise, but also through the nutrition as well. And that kind of snowballed into a much bigger um, opportunity because of the work that I was doing and, and the skill set uh, that I had in the space, which was quite unique. Um, I started working with some professional athletes, and then that transferred over um, into you know better seasons, better performance, um, and the word just started to spread. And before you knew it, I had you know a bunch of p- different people calling and wanting to uh, hear more, learn more about what I was doing. And um, I've just uh, I've been really lucky, you could say. <laughs> so uh, the uh, when when did vegan come along or plant based? Um, just because I, you know most people who start a gym, I, I think they start stocking the shelves with with whey protein powder and and you know, whatever else they can, was going to balk somebody up. Uh, and it seems like it's pretty easy to go down that path, which is probably one that's easier to sell uh, than, you know, you have to stop eating animals and, and animal products too. Uh, so like where, where'd that, how did that come along and begin to fit into your approach? Yeah, well, I've never really been one that does what everyone else does. So that <laughs> was never really my path. Um, I'm more of a right now than a right, uh, 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 I'm more of a right than a right now guy. Um, and, um, you know, I, I realized, uh, that there was a lot to nutrition, um, very quickly because I, I grew up an athlete and, uh, I ate very consciously, but I realized that there was a lot of people that were coming to my gyms and taking classes with me that would come on a regular basis and their bodies would always look exactly the same. And I thought to myself, well, something has to be wrong here. Um, and then I really real, I, I quickly realized that, um, they had developed really great habits around exercise and that's why they were, you know, so good at being religious, if you will, with their, um, exercise regimen, but they weren't so good, um, or they hadn't developed the habits they needed around their nutrition and around their eating style. Um, so I, I, I took a page from a class that I studied, um, psychology in, in college and I realized that we had to arm people with the right habits in order for there to be sustainable behavior modification. Because what happens more often than not is that people think that, you know, if they go on a diet, they're going to lose a certain number of pounds. And that is true, except what they're missing from that equation is that when they go off that diet, which is typically what happens, right? People, when they hear the word diet, that, the, the, the word diet has been bastardized, right? People hear that, that, that word diet and they immediately think, okay, I'm getting on and I'm getting off something. And diet is really just the way that we eat, except that we have, you know, in modern day culture, we've taken that and we've associated it with something somewhat of a negative connotation, something that is, um, that is temporary, right? So if you think about, you know, getting someone to lose weight or, or perhaps move in the direction of a healthier lifestyle, if you want it to be sustainable, there has to be some behavior modification. And in order for you to make behavior modification easy and sustainable, you have to create habits around it. Um, so I very quickly realized that we had to help people develop healthier habits around their food choices. But while I was doing the research, because I've been a research junkie my whole life, I realized that I kept seeing this recurring theme um, in nutrition. And, and it was that all the arrows pointed in the same direction. If you wanted an, an optimally healthy diet, you had to move in the direction of plants. 
and I wasn't 100% plant-based, but I had already ditched dairy and I had already ditched, um, you know, uh, most meat products. Um, and then I realized, look, I, now I know, and I, if you know, you have to do better. So, um, I decided that I would go 100% plant-based. Um, and I already felt great. I was, you know, not someone who was ever overweight. Um, but, um, I just felt absolutely amazing from it. And I thought to myself, wow, this is something that I have to share with others. And once you know, um, you know, the, the benefits, um, that can happen on the inside and you couple that with the benefits of what happens on the outside, you just have to share it with others. So I literally decided that that would be my mission in life to share the benefits of a plant-based diet with the world. Do you think that at this point people are seeking you out because of the plant-based aspect of, you know, of your philosophy or, or, I mean, I mean, you've been working with, with a ton of people and, and a lot of celebrities. I'm sure that people know you from that and they, they seek you out, but there has to be some part of them that when they hear that you're pushing uh, for a plant-based diet or you're encouraging, you know, these, these steps towards going vegan, they have to feel a little bit of hesitation around that. Or some people might, you know, how do you, how do you talk to those people and, and what do you think, um, or do you think that that's what attracts people to you? Well, no, I think that um, from what I hear, people are attracted to the fact that I'm incredibly passionate mm -hmm. and that I am a truth seeker, right? It's not about um, whatever the, the uh, diet fad is of the moment that I'm after. I am a research junkie. I'm a clinically trained biologist. Um, I um, have been practicing exercise physiology through um, my coaching for 20 plus years, and I will always seek out the truth, the best, most effective, most efficient methods for living our best lives. Um, and I think there's something about that, that that really resonates with people. I'm not coaching or teaching or preaching something that I myself do not try, right? That I myself am not living. I am 100% plant-based all the time, 100%, 365 days a year. Yet I'm that same person telling people, look, if you, if you want to start one meal a day, you can, because it's about opening people's eyes. You know, I, a lot of times I have people call me and ask me, well, are you really 100% plant-based or are you, are you part-time vegan? Because you're almost always telling people that it's okay not to go all in. I'm like, well, you know, the easiest way to get someone to completely shut down is for you to tell them that this is an all or none deal. Um, it isn't that way. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do this. The more you lean towards plants, the more you're going to benefit. And I think that for so many years, there has been this wall, this barrier to entry that has prevented people from even coming to the door of this party because they hear all of the the, the sarcasm, all of the, the this, this, you know, this narrative is really about oh you know if you go vegan you have to it's 100 percent plant-based you know you can't ever do this you can't ever do that you can't wear leather you got to throw away all your fur you can't do x you can't do y you know it sounds so restrictive that it scares people it's it can be very overwhelming because people start to try to work their way down this path and immediately they feel like they're being judged Oh my God, I'm wearing leather shoes today and I'm going to go meet a friend that I just told that I'm vegan to. Oh my God, how's that going to look? Am I a hypocrite? And there's so much pressure. There's so much external pressure that's really unnecessary because the truth is it's about doing better, right? It's about doing better every single day. And I have always said every new day is a new opportunity 
to live the life that you truly want to live. And if you decided today that you wanted to be 100% plant-based, should you, should you be precluded from this movement because you have five or six leather shoes in your closet? No. Um, it's about making decisions that are better for you, that are better for the planet, that are better for our communities, our families, and be more conscious about what we put into our body and where it's coming from um, in addition to what we wear. But it doesn't mean that you have to dive into the deep end of the pool day one and, you know, take all your stuff and throw it out the door. It just says, hey, this is the effect that this will have on you. This is the effect that it will have on the planet. And this is the effect that it has on the, on the animals. Let's just be more conscious. Let's be kinder to each other. Let's love each other more. Let's judge each other less. I mean, when you speak to people from a place of honesty, from a place of passion, they can't help but to, um, you know, to really uh, um, you know, want to be a part of it because the reality is it's quite simple. And you guys know this better than most. Um, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. It's about trying to do a little bit better every single day. And that's what I've really focused my, my career on and my life on. Yeah, I uh, really, really appreciate that. And you're right, we have that in common. That is something, uh, part of our message here at Nomad Athlete is really like, you know, do what you can. And if you can't be all the way yet, it's totally fine, right? And like, honestly, there's, I, I'm not convinced there's that much of a health difference between 95% and 100% plant-based, uh, even if, you know, we are 100% plant-based. It's funny that you said people criticize or, or would suggest that you're not, because I've had the exact same thing happen where people will write a book review saying, you know, how can you tell people that it, it might be just okay to have a little bit of meat and animal products? How can you say that? Like, you must be also eating meat sometimes, uh, which of course is, is wrong, but I totally get that. Um, and it, yeah, it's funny that like with with paleo or keto or these other diets, there's not that that pressure that like you know suddenly you're going to be judged if you're not doing it 100. percent I mean, maybe if you get deep enough into those circles, there is. In fact, I'm sure there is. Um, but I think it's that this ethical component of plant based diet or really of veganism that adds that that piece to it, where suddenly it feels like if you can't do it all the way, then maybe you shouldn't do it at all. Um, so we have that in common. What uh, I guess for me the like. I, I've taken the approach not of, although it is my mission to spread this this movement, uh, I don't ever really go to people and, and try to convince them that they should do this or even that they should move along this path. Uh, I guess I'm just I'm just less of a of a salesman in that way and just like to prefer to like see, put up all this information on the internet, write books, and you know if you happen to find your way to them and you want them and and you're already into this, then good. But I'm not going to try to convince you to become plant based. Like you know here, here's myself. If that's already interesting to you, then go find it and read it. That's wonderful. Um, and I guess mainly because I don't want to deal with like, or, or have to, you know, worry about trying to convince someone like you should do this, uh, even if you're currently not thinking about it. What, what do you say? Like if someone comes to you and says, I want to get in shape or I want to feel better. Um, and then they, you know, they, they find out, or maybe they know ahead of time that your that your approach is plant-based and, and they like, that's just the stopping point. And they said, no, I just can't do it. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to ever give up cheese. I know that uh, my family's really big into barbecue and that's just part of my, my heritage. And I'm just not going to do that. Like, where do you begin to shift them? Is it just by saying, well, then, then change a meal at a time or change one meal a day, or you don't have to ever go hundred percent. Like, where do you begin with someone who just like so many people listening to this, their, their families probably who say like, I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. That's not for me. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, uh, since you mentioned your approach, um, I, I have to start with my approach. And, and while I'm not a salesman, um, I am trying to get 
everyone to move towards a plant-based diet. And it, and it really starts with something that's quite simple. I love life. Um, I love people. I love my family. Um, and when I moved towards a plant-based diet, and when I decided that I would go on a 100% plant-based diet, I started with my family. Because once you know once you know the benefits of a plant-based diet, you cannot ignore them. You, you can't just say, well, I'm going to go plant-based and the hell with my family. I mean, you, you, I mean, if you love the people around you, you're going to want to share it with those, right? And I realized that there was a lot of disease that ran in my family that for many years most thought was genetic. Um, and I very quickly um, came to them and said, hey, it's not genetic. You know, we have the ability to upregulate or downregulate gene expression, right? Our genes are not our destiny, our lifestyle choices are. Um, and I realized that very, very quickly that we weren't suffering from genetic disorders, we were suffering from habit disorders. We were passing down habits from generation to generation, and the habits were what was doing us in. You know, there was diabetes, there was cancer, there was heart disease, there was hypertension, I mean, you name it. Um, the typical that you hear in aging Hispanic communities, right? My parents are Cuban, their parents were Cuban, and everyone had either um, hypertension or diabetes or some sort of early heart disease from a very early age. Um, and I, because I love them so much and because I love life so much and I want them to live their best life, I immediately went to them and said, hey, you have to go towards a plant-based diet. You've just got to do this. You can't ignore it. And I, and I was met with a lot of resistance in the beginning. Um, but my family knows me well, um, and they, they know that I'm not someone that just stands on a soapbox for the sake of standing, uh, on a box. Um, I'm someone that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, my, my core, uh, of the core of my being is, you know, rooted in research. And they know that if I'm promoting or I'm pushing something, it, there's definitely good cause for it. Um, so I, I was able to um, talk my mom into trying at least one or two plant-based meals a day. And today, you know, I, I would say almost 10 years later, she's 100% plant-based. And so is my brother and so is my sister. And all of my kids have been born and raised on a plant-based diet. You know, so for you to feel salesy, I think, is a disservice to the information that you have to share because you, you definitely have the knowledge, you have um, everything that you need to be able to help people transform their lives for the better. And I don't think that that's a sales pitch. I think that that's a gift. Uh, don't be afraid to share it. Um, you know, when people come to me and they ask me, you know, about moving uh, towards a healthier lifestyle or losing weight or, or bulking up, uh, it always, my answer is always somehow, some way um, containing uh, some information about a plant-based diet. Because for me to give out less than uh, would be a disservice to them and to who I am as a professional. So yes, it's always part of the conversation. Now again, as I said earlier, there is never a situation where I am, you have to go 100% plant-based or else. Um, it, there's, there's none of that. Uh, if, you don't, uh, if you decide you don't want to go 100% plant-based, I can't work with you or I can't coach you or I can't teach you. There, there's just, just never been any of that because it's just not who I am. I'm not a, an all or none guy um, when it comes to that because I, I do realize that we're all very different and that we, you know, different things work for different people, and there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Um, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to fitness. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. Um, and as you said earlier, you know, a lot of the studies um, prove that a plant-based diet is the absolute best way to go, but you, know, you also have blue zones where 
there's predominantly plant-based diets, but it's not 100% plant-based, right? So there's a lot of information out there that that can also support, you know, if I don't go 100% plant-based, but I'm only 90 plus percent plant-based, can I still benefit from it? You can. Um, is there is there that same uh, environmental impact? No. Um, is there the same uh, prevention of animal cruelty? No. But but if all you're looking for is um, optimal health for you, the individual, I, I think that you can. Uh, I truly believe that you can get that from a predominantly plant-based diet just as much as you would from a completely plant-based diet. That's barring that you don't have, um, you know, any pre-existing heart conditions or pre-existing genetic disorders that would um, predispose you to increase risk of uh, whatever disease, you know, uh, you're thinking about, whether it's cancer or diabetes or stroke or dementia or um, Alzheimer's, any of that stuff. Um, you know, barring any of that, uh, I think that we can uh, achieve the same results with a mostly plant-based diet. So again, uh, for me, it really has never been about um, uh, preaching to people, but rather sharing the information in a way that makes sense, that resonates, um, and that encourages people to move towards plants. Yeah, I, I love that. And and I think that, you know, you mentioned this story about your mom. And, and one thing I've noticed since I went vegetarian 10 years ago and vegan five years ago um, was just how... Uh, you know, how many people that you really impact with that just by, you know, maybe by just talking with them or, or just living the example, you, you see that people, I can't tell you how many countless friends or family members have said, you know, you just kind of demystify the vegan diet or the plant-based diet. And, uh, and they'll start, you kind of naturally begin introducing more plants into their diet and, and hopefully a little less meat, a little less dairy and, and so forth. Uh, and whether or not they go hundred percent, um, you're having that impact just by just by living that example for them and, and, and thriving on, on the diet so they can see that. Um, so I want to talk about the book, the the your new book, The Green Print. Um, and what I like about this book a lot is is how you split it up. You, you have um, uh, the first you have the 22 laws of, of eating, I guess. Um, and then you have the plan and then a bunch of recipes and how to implement the plan. But, um, you know, the bulk of the, of the book is really these 22 laws, it seems. So can you tell us a little bit about how you developed these 22, why 22 laws, what are these laws? And, um, you know, laws appear, for me, seem to be pretty cut and dry, either do them or you don't. You know, so why did you choose to label them as laws instead of just kind of like general guidelines or something like that? Well, it really came down to my approach towards wellness. Um, I thought, you know, if you create a, a, a program that is uh, incredibly restrictive, then you're going to miss a huge segment of the population. If you create um, guidelines, if you create some sort of a, of a program that is customizable, I think we're able to affect more change because there's a lot of people that are willing to go one plant-based meal a day. Um, a lot more people are willing to go one meal a day than the, the amount of people that are willing to go three meals a day from, from the jump, right? Right, um, yeah. And, and what, what I found was that as I was having conversations throughout the years with people, um, people would say, well, man, I love your approach. I love the fact that it's not all or none. Um, I love the way that you encourage people to add more plants to the diet, even if it's only one day a week or one meal a week. Um, because that's how I started. And then once I started, I realized, man, I feel so much better. And just getting that feedback was what really was the catalyst for this, right? It was that, huh, I think we have something here. 
Um, and, I, and I decided that I would create another book, not just for the sake of creating another book, but because I thought that we could do something quite differently than we had done in the previous two books, which were the 22-Day Revolution and the 22-Day Revolution Cookbook. Because those books were basically, okay, I hear you. You want to go plant-based. Here's your guidebook, right? Here is your roadmap. Um, here's how you go 100% plant-based. And that with the green print, what we did differently is that I realized that there is a bunch of things that you could think about on a daily basis and some things that you could understand once or twice. Um, you, you, know, you read them once or twice, and then once you understand the principle, you just apply it to your life. Um, but I wanted to create these laws that people would live their life by and not so much thinking about a plant-based diet or a vegan diet, so to speak, because we know what happens when people think a vegan diet, right? They think nachos, Oreos, whatever cookies or crackers are vegan and I'm good. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to prevent heart disease. And that's not necessarily the truth. That's not necessarily what's going to happen. So I decided to create a core set of laws that would help guide people towards their best life. And in creating these laws, um, I realized, again, that there are some of them that you're going to want to apply on a daily basis. Like, for example, law number one, eat more plants and eat less of everything else. That's pretty simple, quite straightforward. But then there's other laws that you hear once and you just get. And it's, you know, something like, I don't know, uh, law 21, uh, bring mindfulness into eating. And you're like, you know, that's, he's so right. I, and, and then we sort of elaborate on what that means and, and how you can apply it. But the reality is that we're really not mindful about the food that we put into our body or where it's coming from or how it's grown or how it's treated or how it's processed or why is it considered food. Um, and just because something is a norm doesn't mean you should accept it as such, right? I mean, we know that in history, a lot of things have been normal, normalized or were normalized um, that were not so normal. Um, and if we were still, if, if, not, if you know, there hadn't been that one person or those group of individuals that had questioned it, we probably would still be living the same way, um, which would be really unfair to our societies. So I think that, you know, creating these laws really set that blueprint for how you can live your best life um, while maintaining, uh, you know, a very mindful approach towards not just a better you, but also a better planet. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like having that that kind of general, general set of rules that... Um, you know, aren't, aren't super like restrictive, like you said, but just kind of allow you to get into a mindset of, of this is how I can do better with my nutrition this is how I can go plant-based or, or whatever. Um, you know, is there, is there any particular law that you hope sinks in the most for people or are they all kind of equal? Um, so I'll answer uh, that and a, and a previous question that I just thought of uh, that I didn't answer. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, you know, when I created the laws, I got to 21 um, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. And I was like, wow, but my number is 22. Um, did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? Um, and I just read them over and over and over again. And, uh, and about uh, you know, a week into it or so, I said, oh my God, my number one law is not here. But it's one of those laws that you think about once and you either start applying or you have to think about it on a regular basis. And it's law number 22, which is practice Kaizen. And Kaizen is the Japanese word for continuous self-improvement. And it's something that I live my life by on a daily basis. Every single day I wake up wanting to be a better person, a better human, a better brother, uh, a better friend, a better husband, a better father. Um, and I think that if we keep that in mind, 
um, we can't help but to be better, uh, not just to ourselves, but also to our families, to our communities, and to the planet. And look, you know, there's no, um, I say uh, more often than not, I'm saying, you know, it's common sense. Um, think about it, right? It's a diet that is good for you. It also happens to be, coincidentally, good for the animals, and also happens to be incredibly powerful for the planet. Do you think it's coincidence? I think not. Hmm. It just makes sense. It's better for us. We live longer, healthier lives. It's better for the treatment of animals. It not just better for the treatment of animals, but these animals are wreaking havoc on our environment. And it's also better for our environment. So we're not destroying the environment. We're promoting a cruelty-free lifestyle and we're living our best lives. How could you not want to be a part of this? <laughs> yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a really good way of putting it and one that I have not really thought of that much, honestly. The, the idea that like, do you really think that's a coincidence that all this that all that this one type of eating serves all these three different purposes i think that's uh that's really neat so um along you know back to to food specifically in the book you've well i mean i guess sticking to our theme here of kind of like what's overly restrictive versus what is kind of uh you know do what you can um you do include some foods in here that that you know if we're honest are are controversial in the plant-based space just because the plant-based space is that way right we every, every space probably is where we start to argue and nitpick over different things but uh in the book you you mentioned like vegan protein powder you have oil in several of the recipes salt you know as an optional addition to most of them um sweeteners and i, I should you know be clear it's very very little of these things um but they're in there and they're at least given as options if if that makes it something that you can stick with and makes the food taste good um I actually like that. That's that's how I tend to eat. You know, I'll use a little oil here and there, not very often, but sometimes. Uh, salt is something that I just, you know, probably still eat more than I should of. Um, like, I don't know. What do you think about, like, what's the role of these foods? Some of them, I think, definitely make it more comfortable in the early going. It, are they something that you should eventually strive to remove once you are comfortable and, like, used to eating plant-based? Um, or do you think, you know, your food's meant to, meant to taste really good and... and you don't need to make an effort to try to get your palate to adjust so that you don't ever need to add salt to your food. I mean, what do you think those, those little, I guess let's call them comfort foods. Like what do they, what role do they play in the diet for you? The yeah, that's style, a great, say, that, that, that's a great question. Someone uh, emailed um, asking why I use um, oil in the recipes. Um, and, and I counted uh, the number of recipes and I said, um, I don't know if you just read a recipe or if you read the recipes, but we use very, very, very little oil, um, if any, in all the recipes, right? Um, and the same goes for salt, and it's always an option, and the oil is always an option. Um, so for me, it's really about getting people to become um, really conscious about what they're putting into their body. And ultimately, is it is the you know is that green print diet is that is that a blueprint for my healthiest self? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, am I comfortable stating that these are um, you know the healthiest um, recipes, the healthiest diet that you could live? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, if I you know just had my uh, third heart attack and uh, I'm trying to go 100% plant-based, um, eliminating all potential oil from my diet, then perhaps you may want to seek the option that doesn't have 
um, the added oil. Um, but again, there, if, if we're looking at um, the data, if we're, if we're seeking out the truth, if we're looking at the raw data in its best form, you know that um, you do not have to have a, a 100% zero um, oil diet because when you look at the blue zones and when you look at some of the other studies, um, we have plenty of evidence showing and proving the fact that you can have a really beautiful, long life, um, healthy one, um, even if you have a little bit of oil. Now, if you want to eliminate oil altogether, that's fantastic. I myself don't add any salt to any of my food just because I don't need it because I've gotten accustomed to it. So where you see salt as an option, I opt not to add uh, the salt to it. But there's some people that can't live without it. Um, and in the beginning, it makes it even that much more difficult for people to lean in the direction of plants if you restrict absolutely everything that they love. So can we get people to live a healthier lifestyle with this program? Without a doubt. Can we get them to be their healthiest self um, with this program? Without a doubt. Um, can they go one step further? Absolutely. It's called Law 22. Practice Kaizen. Every single day you could do something a little bit better. And when you get to that point, when you get to that crossroad where you have done absolutely everything that the green print, every single one of the 22 laws you've applied, well, guess what? Law 22 is that law, is the law that you continue to apply even after all 21 laws have been perfected. Practice Kaizen. What else could I do today to be even better? What can I do to continue that self-improvement? Eliminate all sugar from my diet? Done. Eliminate all oil from my diet? Done. Eliminate all salt from the diet? Done. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it really is about optimum health. Um, it's about the data. Um, the data always drives everything. It always influences every single one of my decisions. Um, and again, I know that this is a program that can heal um, and is healing um, a lot of people on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I totally agree with you that like needless restriction, of course, is needless, right? But, like to, when someone's at the very beginning, to tell them that you not only have to, st or not only should you start eating more plants, um, you know, but you also must eliminate 100% of salt from your food, so that now it suddenly doesn't taste like anything to you because you've been eating salty food for your whole life. Uh, you know, it just it just makes something that's destined to fail. So I really do appreciate that uh, that flexibility. And when I talk about a little bit more about uh, you know the ramp up, the gradual transition, which I think is really cool that the, the Kaizen aspect that it adds that feature. So it sort of doesn't matter where you start, because if you're practicing Kaizen, then you know, you can ultimately get wherever you want because you, you're continuing to approve. So uh, I do want to do a little bit more of that. But one question first, um, you mentioned, and not just mentioned, you one of your laws is about fasting, uh, specifically intermittent fasting, not not going days and days without food, of course. Um, that that was surprising to me to see that. I guess it's surprising for me to see it in books yet it, now because that's it, one of these sort of newish things. Um, I I tend to believe it's a good thing. Uh, I still have this association with it though as like belonging to the the keto crowd or the or the paleo crowd um, or the or the biohacking group. You know, I just I think of it as that, and I'm always a little bit hesitant, thinking like, man, maybe this thing's a fad. And when I tell people that uh, that I think it's legit, that maybe in a few years I'm going to regret that because I'm going to sound like I just jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, what is it about intermittent fasting for you that says this is more than a fad? This is this is science, and this belongs uh, in a book and and an approach to a healthy lifestyle. Well, it's exactly that, right? It's, there's, there's a lot of data behind it, um, and um, it is part of 
Um, it is part of a healthy lifestyle because when you look at, again, and uh, I hate to keep going back to it, but for me, it's really common sense, right? I, I, imagine if you bought a brand new um, Ferrari and you took it out of the dealer and you just put your foot on the gas ever so gently and you just kept it on the gas for the next three, four, five days. You probably blow the engine out rather quickly. And that's what we're doing to our bodies is that we're continuously eating over and over. And we have not evolved this way. Like when you look back a hundred, uh, just over a hundred years ago, we did not have refrigeration. We did not have uh, stockpiles of food that was overly processed that could last in your cupboard for, uh, you know, 36 months at a time. And when you look at um, how we have evolved as humans, people are always eating. As a matter of fact, if you walk into, you know, most fitness centers, uh, you'll have, uh, you know, a, a lot of people that are going to be um, recommending that you eat six, seven times a day, eight times a day, as often as you possibly can to keep your metabolism going. That's exactly, exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. Your body needs to rest. Your body needs to do housekeeping. Your body is an amazing machine, is an incredibly, it's, it's the most technologically advanced machinery on this planet. It just happens to be the human body. It knows how to take care of itself. It knows how to repair itself, but you've got to give it time to do that. And when your body is not trying to digest food is when your body does its housekeeping. But if it's always trying to digest food, then when does it get to do that housekeeping? Never, right? So we mo more often than not, what we find is that people are even digesting food when they're sleeping because they have a huge meal for dinner, and then they go right to bed. You know, they're eating at 9, 10 o'clock at night, and then they're going right to sleep. And their body can't do the rest and recovery that it's supposed to because it's busy trying to digest that food while they're sleeping, which is, which is a terrible disservice to the efficiency of your body and its ability to heal itself. So when you look at the data, when you look at the science, again, I am a truth seeker. I am a data seeker. I am, I am all about the research. When you look at the data... Not only does the data make sense, but if you step away from the data, what makes sense? What is common sense to you? Do, do you believe that the human being has been designed, has evolved to be eating and digesting 24 hours around the clock? No. Your body needs to rest. Your body needs to recover. And in the fasting state is when your body gets to do that housekeeping. So it's really important that you fast. Incredibly important that you fast. By the way, that's why it's called breakfast, because you're breaking your fast. This is not something that's new. Fasting isn't new. Fasting is something we've done for thousands, millions of years. It's, it now sounds new because we've given it a name and because it happens to be a trending topic. But the reality is we've been fasting for many, 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 many generations. From the moment you go to sleep to the moment you get up in the morning. So now what we're saying is, you know what? Let's be really conscious about that. Let's be really mindful about what that truly means. And let's, let's try to apply that to our best, to the best of our ability. So if you're going to fast when you're sleeping, let's really make that a fast. Don't have your meal for up to two hours before you go to sleep. And then after you go to sleep, make sure that you have good enough sleep because most Americans are not sleeping enough hours. Make sure that you have a good enough window where you're sleeping and then try to extend that fast a little bit longer. Um, and what we have found is that the results are absolutely miraculous. Miraculous. Do you have guidelines around the fast of, you know, so many hours that you should be fasting, you know, throughout the night and everything? Well, 
if you look at the data, optimal is 16 hours. Um, but I say start with 12 and then work your way up to whatever feels comfortable. But at least get 12 hours. Your body needs at least half a day, half a day to really have that perfect housekeeping um, uh, window, which is, you know, if you go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night, don't have breakfast till 10 the next morning. Or if you go to sleep at 8 o'clock at night, don't have breakfast at 8 o'clock the next morning. And that's quite simple and quite doable for most people. If, if you feel like you've really comp conquered that and you've perfected it, then move to 14 hours. And if 14 hours seems good, then you could do one day a week that you do 16 hours or two days a week that you do 16 hours. Um, but it's incredibly beneficial. Um, and I'd encourage, um, you know, all your listeners to go do some of the research. Don't just take my word for it, uh, but read some of the data because you're going to be blown away by it. Yeah, I like that. Intermittent fasting always seems like, you know, to, to cut down to, you know, 16 or 18 hour fasts always felt really like a, a really big shift <laughs> shift for me. But, you know, but, but 12 hours seems like nothing, right? I mean, you can do 10 Easy. to 10 or 8 to 8 or whatever. No problem. Um, uh, and again, it's about just bringing consciousness to your life, right? Because most people are like, well, I could do 12. Well, you're not. So let's, yeah. let's try that, right? Mm -hmm. Let's really try that. Um, and then once you start to apply, you're like, wow, I feel really good. I feel lighter. My digestion is better. Um, I, I sleep better at night because I'm not, you know, trying to digest whatever meal you were eating um, the night before. So, I mean, it's, it's really, um, I have found that's one of the, the biggest game changers today um, is, is adding that intermittent fasting. Because I had a lot of friends that were already eating plant-based. Um, but when they added that, that was sort of like the game changer for them in terms of like weight loss and, and really getting rid of some of that stubborn fat and, um, and helping them really recover in a beautiful way. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a go. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, <really good. laughs> um, all right. So, I mean, so you're talking about, you know, when you're talking about the starting at 12 hours, like that's like a gradual approach that, um, that we often talk about a lot about here on the podcast with kind of small steps towards making big changes. Um, and you outline you outline a path for that in in the green print with uh, with your three tiers to implementing um, implementing the laws and, and the diet. Um, but you also offer kind of like jumping all in. Uh, is there an approach that you think is is more beneficial for most people? Do you, do you recommend kind of the small steps, the like gradual approach, or if people are fired up, should they go all in? Well, it depends on who you are and how you're wired. I, um, I'm one of those that once I know, I just, I can't ignore it. So I've got to go all in. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's some people that, that really want to understand, um, how it's going to make them feel. Um, and then there's some people that are like, well, I've got to die of something. You know, I, well, I, I, I don't care. I don't, you know, I don't need to be 104. Um, and they, they take a little more convincing, right? They, they, they're the ones that take a little more. Well, um, I, I get it that you, that you're going to die of something. We're all going to die of something. But the reality is, while you're here, how do you want to feel? Um, how do you want to live the years that you have left? Um, do you want to be, you know, uh, um, you know, suffering from uh, diabetes and heart disease and, 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 and perhaps, uh, you know, fall victim to a stroke like most Americans are today? Because when you look at the statistics, heart disease is still the number one killer. Um, the, you know, diabetes is closely um, after and, and cancer is about to overtake heart disease um, as a leading cause of death. So, uh, I mean, those are things that are, I, I have no interest in. Uh, so when you think about living your life, um, it really is about prioritizing and understanding the effect that this can have on how you live and, and um, how you thrive. Uh, so for me, it's really about getting people to 
to understand the benefits and then try them for themselves. Try it for a day. Go 100% plant-based for one day. Um, go one meal a day for a week. Um, but, but start somewhere. Um, it's about starting, right? It's about that first step. It's about practicing Kaizen even when you're not 100% plant-based. Because if, you, if you're practicing Kaizen, if you take one good thing away, it's that we can all be better every single day. We can all be better members of society. We can all be better friends. We can all be better um, humans. Um, and we can all do better within our lifestyle. So for me, it's really about getting people to understand what fuels them, um, what is their goal, um, and then once you have that, um, you could make recommendations um, as to where you can start. But I think the biggest takeaway is there's no right or wrong way to do this, right? It's not about vegan versus non-vegan. Um, it's not about all or none. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. Can we help you move in the direction of a plant-based diet? And if so, what feels comfortable to you today? And then we'll revisit it tomorrow. But what's, what's, what's your comfort zone today? You know, I could probably do breakfast because breakfast can be kind of, you know, grainy-ish and whatnot. So maybe I'll start with oatmeal and berries. Okay, fantastic. Let's do that. Um, and if, if that feels good and your digestion is great and you've got good focus at work in the morning, then maybe we try that another day. And we just take it one day at a time. Cool. That, uh, that's a lesson I think that took me a few years to, to figure out. That... that uh... You know, not not just with not just with arguing which diet is best, but even in, in the argument of whether it's small steps or all at once massive action, uh, it's kind of silly to argue about that because there really isn't an answer. Uh, because it depends not just really on who you are, but like who you are at that particular time or that season of your life. I found that there's been times when the when the really gradual, deliberate, small steps and like purposeful, not letting myself do too much at once, even when I kind of wanted to. Um, there's been times when that's been really useful. And then I got to a point where I, I was doing that all the time that I think it kind of prevented me from, from ever really like, I don't know, developing a passion for something and really just going for something like I used to when I was younger. So um, definitely appreciate that. And uh, I really like the, you know, just, just the general flexibility you bring uh, to this whole thing. I think, uh, I think your work is, in many ways, your philosophies are very, very similar to what we talk about at No Meat Athlete. And uh, I, think, I, think it's, I think you're a force for good in this movement. And, uh, you know, thank you for, for being on our podcast and thank you for your work, uh, the green print, where can people get it? Where's the best place to go? Bookstores, Amazon, your website. Yeah, you can get the book, uh, the, the, the green print at bookstores everywhere or wherever books are sold and also on Amazon or through our website. And, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. Um, and, uh, I look forward to staying connected. Cool. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Marco. Thank you. Thanks guys. Talk Take to care. you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.